0: Thanks so much for being here. I'm going to be talking today about a topic that I'm very passionate about, Perfectly Hidden Depression. I've written about it and researched it for the last three years, actually, and I'm so delighted to see that the episodes that have already been on it which are episodes three, four and 21, as well as last week's episode, which was on the difference between hiding depression and perfectly hidden depression. But I've been delighted to see that those are really some of the most downloaded episodes of self work. In fact, people with perfectly hidden depression are really the perfect audience for a podcast because you don't have to reveal to anyone that you're listening. So I'm hoping that these are helpful to you. This particular podcast is answering a request from a listener to talk about what causes perfectly hidden depression. So, of course, I'm happy to oblige, and that's what today's podcast is on. First, I'll give you a little bit of information about perfectly hidden depression, but there's a lot more on those other episodes, so if you want to go listen to those first, please feel free. I will be here. Then we're talking about the nine paths to beginning to hide pain. Lastly, I'm going to answer an email from a listener, and this one is about building self-esteem, especially in the workplace. So again, thanks for being here, and we'll get started. So how do you learn to hide pain? What is it about hurt or vulnerability or even sadness that makes many of us form a persona of happiness and busyness that shields us from the eyes of others? Why do we push ourselves to build a life that looks perfect from the outside, but can feel empty and despairing on the inside? As you know by now, or many of you who have downloaded my other episodes of Perfectly Hidden Depression, that's what I call it. I call it that because people have really responded incredibly well to that particular term, In fact, I wish you could read the personal emails I've received just this week. I got one from Malaysia and another one from Brazil. Other days, it's the United Kingdom or Australia or Mississippi or Washington or whatever. Hundreds of emails have arrived from all over the United States and actually the world. They've come from doctors, advertising executives, teachers, chefs, people from all walks of life and from all socioeconomic statuses both genders, all ages, the one thing they have in common in what they write. They've read or listened to my posts and podcasts on Perfectly Hidden Depression, and here's their response. I'm hiding and doing it very well, even perfectly. As I said in episode 31, sometimes this hiding is intentional, and sometimes it's very unconscious. So people who have written me have written and said they were relieved to see that it can be identified, it has a label, and sometimes they are shocked, as I talked about again in the last episode. But how does hiding begin? Remember, this isn't healthy, what psychologists would call compartmentalization, where you literally put aside something painful so you can focus on your work for that day or maybe taking care of your kids. What this is, is rarely, if ever, revealing or admitting emotional pain. To yourself, or to other people. So I sat down and came up with the reasons that both people had written to me and told me about and some of the things I've seen in my practice. Now, the interesting thing about these is that you don't necessarily have to have only one. You might see yourself or find yourself in several of these. Actually, I had posted about this this week and I got comments about, I fit four of these or I fit two of these. But most people have said they can really relate. The first reason you might have started hiding, you were sexually or physically abused. It was at that point you began hiding your pain. You were told to shut up, keep the secret. You've simply continued the practice and you're filled with unspoken shame. You never talk about what's really going on with you, what hurts you, what angers you. The damage of being the target of sexual manipulation or violence silences you. You have this secret that eats away at you and at the time made you feel completely out of control. So staying in control has become vital to your present way of life. It may be actually that the abuse is in the present, not the past or both. You could be actively hiding, being yelled at, scorned or ridiculed. And again, remember... That kind of abuse can be toward both genders. So in this case, it becomes mandatory to not let anyone get to know you or venture too much into your reality. The second reason is that you were a child of alcoholics or addicts. In those kind of families, you learned to be hypervigilant. You kept your feelings completely to yourself because it was far from safe to communicate them. You may have devoted yourself to school or being a great athlete or maybe a job, anything to keep you away from home. Now, children react differently in an addictive environment, but you might have become invisible to your parents to protect yourself. The less you were seen, the safer your life was. And what has happened is you stay invisible as an adult or morph yourself into who others need you to be. By the way, If you were the child of an alcoholic, the ongoing support group Adult Children of Alcoholics could be very helpful to you. You're going to find that there are people just like you. The third reason you might be hiding, you were emotionally abused. Let's say you were told you weren't going to amount to anything or that you were too sensitive, you were whined. You were a whiner. This kind of emotional abuse, a complete denigration of your potential as a human being, is just downright cruel. I have a patient who told me, or at least a past patient, that his mother used to throw rocks at him and tell him he wasn't going to amount to anything. He, of course, became a workaholic, right? And really, when he retired, had no clue what to do. And all these feelings from that abuse were there waiting for him. Those words from a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a coach can be etched in your mind for quite a long time. And you can be left, like my former patient, Obsessed with proving that that person was wrong. So, you create a perfect-looking, very successful-looking life. In so doing, you avoid admitting vulnerability like the plague. But it doesn't work forever. That's what my former patient found out. The fourth reason? You took a pseudo-adult role in your family as a child. It was your job to take care of all the others in your family... Perhaps one or both of your parents suffered mental or physical illness or was someone who just couldn't act like an adult. Maybe they were terrible with money or they were so flighty that they wouldn't take care of basic needs. So So, who took care of the rest of the family? You. Maybe you were the eldest child or maybe you were simply the child that was most innately responsible, maybe the smartest. You fed the others. You made sure they did their homework and got them in bed. Or you made sure a parent took their medication. Or you picked them up from the bar at night. You became someone who made sure tasks were accomplished and you were good at it. But you began hiding how lonely and in need of comfort you were. And you've continued. You know, in episode 12, I talk about becoming an emotional grown-up. And in that, I talk about these strategies that we develop as children that we do not have to continue them as adults. So you might want to check that out because all of these would involve changing that strategy. Anyway, here's the fifth one. You were the star of your family. Let's say you were highly praised for your successes. You heard things like, you never disappoint me. You're always at the top of the class. You're labeled the smart one, the athletic one, the accomplished one. Again, you hear, you know, he can do anything he sets his mind to. So you felt as if you could never fail or falter, and this pressure was immense. Add this pressure to whatever just realistic pressure you faced in the world outside your family, and you're set up immediately for believing that you have to keep the thumb in your back, pushing and prodding yourself to remain being the star. You can accept your mistakes, and you're likely to have become highly perfectionistic. The sixth reason... That you begin hiding pain is very simple. You were a guy, or you are a guy. You were taught that it's unmanly to admit any kind of vulnerability. And your male role models, like your dad, your grandfather, your uncles, they had lived that same way. Or maybe you grew up in just a highly gender stereotyped environment or culture where men and women had different rules or expectations. And you put up a huge front of stoicism. I've read that some men try to be more vulnerable and even the women around them are so uncomfortable with it that they won't shame them for it. And yet vulnerability is certainly not only healthy for women, but also for men. The seventh reason is you weren't allowed to express painful emotion ever. Perfection was expected. You know, things happen, death, divorce, disappointment, but in the family you grew up in, No one talked about the pain of those losses. It's like, literally, the losses didn't even occur. You were hushed for crying, punished for showing anger, sent to your room if you looked upset. You heard things like, don't come down until you get yourself together, or the infamous, don't air your dirty laundry in public. You weren't comforted or supported for feeling hurt or lost or confused. So you did what you were told and you hushed. You stopped asking for comfort because there was none there. You stuck whatever hurt you had far away and became expert at denying its presence. The dominant belief in these families was to always look perfect to the outside world, to never admit that there were painful problems on the inside, and to keep up that pretense at all costs. Not a hair out of place, and every Facebook post reflects, smiles, good stuff. The eighth reason you may have begun hiding your emotional pain, you felt or feel responsible for a parent's happiness or fulfillment. This is a little more complicated. Your parent may have said things like, I don't know what I'd do without you, or there's no one who understands me like you do. You feel if it's it was your job to emotionally prop up that parent. So you had to be ever constant, ever caring, Actually, that's what you learn love is. What love is, is you attending to someone else's insecurity or need. You learn that your worth is in what you can do or be for someone else, rather than in yourself. What this is called in psychology is enmeshment, when there's a real loose boundary between a parent and a child, or between family members in general. And it's actually very hard for kids from these families to become independent. Even though they may be in a caregiving role, how can you leave? (laughs) This undue responsibility is a setup. Actually, no one has the power to bring fulfillment or contentment to another. So you're trying to please a parent. You're trying to make him or her not depressed or sad. And you can try, but they're really responsible for finding their contentment with life. So you're asked to do something that you end up feeling like a failure. And how can you ever leave if it's your job to make a parent happy so you can stay locked into that role and you hide your own struggles? Because if known, they might disappoint the parent you're trying so hard to please. Your life can become a tangle of hidden secrets. I will share with you that this was very much my relationship with my mom. I guess it's where I learned to be a therapist, actually. But I felt very responsible for her happiness. And it did take me a long time to grow up. I think I was in my 30s before I actually matured and realized the damage that had been done to my sense of purpose. And what happened is I got extremely rebellious because of this sense of responsibility. And really, it's not my mother's fault by any stretch of the imagination, but I made my 20s pretty chaotic. But people who come from these enmeshed families... You were given a job that you never applied for, and it's difficult for that parent to allow you to go and to grow up. The ninth one is also based more on demographics. Cultural influences were important in learning that pain was to be avoided or hidden. There's a vast amount of difference between countries and cultures in what is stressed or allowed emotionally. If your ethnicity is Scottish, Chinese, Hispanic, South African, Whatever region of the country where you were reared, be it the different states of the United States or other different regions of countries, regions can be extremely different. All of that could be important in shaping your response to painful emotions. So I hope that this has been helpful to try to trace back and learn, why do I avoid pain? Why why do I feel so uncomfortable telling someone that I'm embarrassed or that I'm disappointed or that I'm frustrated or that I'm angry? Why is it so hard? And if any of these or a group of these you can identify with, perhaps you can start looking at that strategy for how you coped as a child and begin to understand that you can change it as an adult. Again, episode 12 is about becoming an emotional grown-up. And if you struggle with revealing vulnerability, I've got an episode for that. (laughs) That's episode 20. Because we all hurt and absolutely no one should feel like they have to hide. Okay, today's email from a listener. And again, I'm getting a lot of those and I love it. Please feel free to email me. I'll give you my email in a moment. I so appreciate getting to know who you are and what you'd like for me to write about. So this listener gives me her name and then says, I love your podcast. I'm 25 years old and I live in Ontario, Canada. I'd be really interested if you talked about self-esteem in one of your podcasts, because I've had low self-esteem for as long as I can remember. My low self-esteem causes a few problems. It makes it harder to cope with life stresses. It doesn't feel very good. And most importantly, it limits my potential in the workplace. My boss will give me a compliment on my work and I have a hard time believing him because my inner voice will say something like, he doesn't really think you did a good job, he's just being polite. Or a new project will come around and my inner voice says, there's no way you can do that, you're not smart enough. I've been reading Self-Esteem by Matthew McKay and Patrick Fanning. And I've been trying to work on self-esteem with exercises like writing down three things I like about myself each day, and also using self-talk to combat my inner negative. My main issue is that although this seems to be fairly effective at raising my self-esteem in other areas, it's been very difficult to raise my self-esteem about my work. Do you have any tips? So here's my answer, and I'm actually going to do the next podcast on self-esteem. But I answered her email. The first thing that came to mind was the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. In it, she talks a lot about the differences between men and women in the workplace and how women tend to think much more negatively about themselves, not believing their success is due to their own worth. She goes into it with the experience of a corporate executive, and perhaps that would be really good for you to read. My husband kids me and says, if I worked for a corporation, I'd last about three hours. So... I don't know. The only way I know about the corporate world is through the many patients I've had that have lived and worked in it. But here's my answer continuing. I'm so glad you're looking at this now at the age of 25. It's likely that there are some connections to your childhood, but the gender piece of it is really important to understand. I personally like to focus on competency. What can I list or identify that are things that I believe I do competently or that I am competently? self-esteem can seem so conceptual and intangible if you break it down to more tangible competencies perhaps it will stick more and you can absorb it i love the idea of doing a podcast on it and will definitely use your suggestion i imagine there are many of you that feel good in your friendships or feel good in your home life but you struggle at work and sometimes it can be the opposite. that people really do well at work, and then as soon as the structure of work is gone, they struggle. So I'll talk about that more in episode 33 of Self Work, and I hope you'll join me. There are several ways to reach out to me if you'd like to. My website where I blog weekly is DrMargaretRutherford.com, and I have a Facebook page, DrMargaretRutherford, as well. I'd love to have you head over there. You can email me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. And I do answer, at least this point, each email. (laughs) Their emails are not so many that I don't have time to answer them. I get up early in the morning, which I love to do, and answer your emails. And, of course, that is confidential. No one sees those emails but me. And if for some reason you don't want me to perhaps use it on the podcast, then just let me know and I won't. I'd love for you to give me a rating or review wherever you listen. Is that Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes? It's really important for the other people that might see self-work and go, well, what is that? And I wonder if it's any good. So that can be very helpful to me. And of course, one thing you can do, which I would love, is tell other people about it. I know that I'm far more likely to listen to a podcast That a friend or colleague has told me they've really enjoyed. So I'd love it if you did that too. And of course, subscribe. I actually got over a thousand subscribers this week. Subscriptions, I'm learning, tend to go up and down fairly dramatically, actually. But for the first time, I got over a thousand and I was so pleased. Oh, and by the way, I'm finally getting some downloads from Wyoming. So welcome, Wyoming. Thank you all for being a part of this podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm Dr. Margaret, and you've been listening to Self Work.